they gave us all of the scripts and I sat and read all of them from front to back in one sitting. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> um, it was just what? such a cool read. Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, I'm Josh Horowitz, and my guest is, of course, Megan Fahey, the bold type, the white lotus. She's a Megan so cool, she needs two N's in her name. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, subscribe, like, comment, do the things that make this show what it is, support the podcast. Megan, we've just met, but I know you obviously concur with that <laughs> statement, not to put you on the spot. I don't know if I'm like so cool I need two ends or if I'm just so complicated that I need two ends eventually she's gonna have six ends as she grows yeah, more complex adding ends. yeah <laughs> uh before we dive into our chat I do want to remind folks out there uh we sometimes do these in person in New York City if you're gonna be in New York uh June 16th uh Brian Cranston decent actor we're gonna be live at the 92 uh Y um the information's in the show notes check it out come on out and support he's a new Wes Anderson movie that's pretty cool that's very uh, yeah, that's that, that's on the list for every actor, right? Wes Anderson, he's one of those directors. Yeah, maybe? I think so. Yeah, and Brian Cranston as well. He's dream team. Amazing. Dream team. Um, we're the dream team right now. Let's focus up, Megan. You, oh. We got a we got a lot to talk about. Um, well, first of all, I'm speaking of live uh, crowds. Um, that's your environment, isn't it? Before we get to White Lotus and the TV work, um, is there anything better than being on a stage for you? Is that is that kind of like still a special? Yeah, a special place in I, your heart. I think nothing better, nothing scarier. You know, was that, was that the first kind of dream, as it were, to get up on, or the first, um, I don't know, buzz you got as an actor was being on a stage? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I grew up singing. I never really thought about acting too much. Um, and then after high school, I, I went to an open call in New York with my parents. And um, I ended up finding my way into this amazing musical called Next to Normal. Um, and that was my first sort of entry into the the industry, if you will. You have to uh, say it that way. If you're gonna call it the industry, <laughs> you have to have the self-aware. <sighs> uh, yeah, so that was sort of my first professional yeah. experience and it was, um, it was really, really special one. I don't think anything will ever really beat that. Is is New York still home? I know you're in Cape Cod right now shooting a new show. We're going to get to that. But do you consider New York home? I do. I mean, I lived there for 11 years. And then during the pandemic, sort of found myself in L.A. And now I'm sort of floating through space. I don't really have a home base. But um, I have been talking about getting back to New York and settling back into New York for <laughs> A couple of years now, um, but yeah. This is what no, happens when the work is good, right? This is like <laughs> what happened. Like I've had this conversation with people. I feel like I've had this conversation with like Keanu Reeves for like 30 years. He's like, where do you live? I live in my suitcase. He, Keanu Reeves has not stopped. Like he just like yeah, once, he, I mean, once it started, then you're just kind of on the road for life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a very transient, um, you know, sort of environment. But um, But yeah, I do consider New York to be home and I miss it all the time. I'm so, an East Coaster. Uh, I grew up in Massachusetts, so nice. That whole area just feels like where I belong. Yeah, it's okay. Look, I have nothing against LA. Spend a lot of time in LA. Love LA. Can't drive, so that's a little bit of an impediment. For yeah, this that would New definitely Yorker. be an issue. I think. Yeah, but as long as you bring your East Coast vibes, your cool East Coast vibes to LA, 
I think it's necessary. Right? Yeah. So um, you've been on a couple very notable shows. Which one makes the better, if we wanted to musicalize one of them? Bold Type, White Lotus. Which do you want to see the Broadway reinterpretation of? Oh, you know, I think the Bold Type is rich with musical theater inspiration. Um, we actually used to talk about doing a musical episode. We never got around to it, but I also think, I don't know. I mean, I would also watch, well, I would watch White Lotus on stage. I would watch White Lotus on ice. I, ice, stuff. that's the I mean, next, that's the natural progression. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is, is, is the White Lotus theme also permanently lodged in your brain? I feel like it is now like, and I, I love it. I, and I also find it endlessly creepy. Like, I feel like it, oh, it's, it's, it's definitely an earworm. Yeah, it's definitely also like sonically a little bit unsettling on purpose. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's definitely stuck in, in there deeply. I, I was somewhere the other day, like at a restaurant or something. And I swear it's like, do you ever have that thing where you like, it's like a phantom phone buzz. Like you think you hear your phone vibrate, but it's not, I was like, is that the theme song? Just I, hearing it. It well, wasn't. That, and that, <laughs> Spoiler alert. I, it wasn't. I was just going mess. <laughs> I just lost it, which means I have to add another N to the end of my name. Yep. By the end of this podcast, 12 N's. It's just going to um, be Megan. <laughs> but now this now this is going to follow you. Until the next iconic role, every time you walk out on a talk show and award stage, the white that creepy White Lotus theme is your entrance music. You know what? I'm not mad about it. I, no? I'll take it. Yeah, 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 of course. I'm so proud to have been a part of that show. Like... You walk oh, down the aisle. Are you ready for that to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine? I that... bet somebody somewhere oh, has yeah. done that. And it's a really bad idea, to be honest. Yeah. That, that is no. not setting the right tone for a life no. of wedded bliss, is it? I wish them the best, whoever they are, wherever they are. <laughs> All right. So let us let us talk about the last year for you because uh, I want to get to the bold type, but I want to talk about like coming off of that where you were at. Okay, so you, you're a very successful show, I'm sure a very rich, rewarding experience, then on to the next thing, right? Where were you at post-bold type pre-White Lotus? Were you, what was your level of career satisfaction if I was talking to you then? I was pretty, I felt pretty fulfilled by that experience and I feel really lucky that I had it because I, it was the first series regular job I ever had and I we shot the pilot when I was 26 and we did five seasons and I feel like I learned how to be on set and how to collaborate and how to problem solve and like all of these really really important things in such a safe environment like it was just such a cozy um space to be sort of learning all of those things and so I by the end of it felt a bunch of things. I felt yeah. like I was ready to move on, but I was still sad that it was over because it was such a big experience to sort of close the door on. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think at that point, I actually even said it. I, I, my, somebody on my team was like, what's, you know, what's your dream sort of next step? And I yeah. said, um, I want to be on a limited series on HBO. I just never thought that it would be something that happened. So it's pretty crazy still to me, honestly. And, and for those that don't know, 
this came around a couple times. So this comes around for the first season. Mike White's mm-hmm. casting it. Uh, and we can say now it's public knowledge and it's all good. It, it worked out for everybody. Um, yeah. you, were, you were up for Alex Daddario's role, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. She killed it. She's amazing too. She murdered it. She's so incredible. So for an actor, I'm always curious about this for an actor. Like you, look, you, you're supportive of colleagues, et cetera. But like, is it tough to watch that show after the fact and know, and see not only like you were probably excited, oh, Mike White, HBO location, it's going to be amazing. And then you see the response to it and be like, oh shit, it's, and it's a phenomenon. And I was so close. Like that must be a complicated set of emotions. Well, I think like you always sort of deal with some level of disappointment, no matter what, like for me, it was like cool that I got as far as I did. Sure. Like I wasn't even expecting that. So that was really cool. But I think like, yeah, I, I had been doing it for, I don't know, over a decade and there's just always a job that's going to break your heart. But, but that being said, like when I watched the show, it, I almost immediately was like, oh yeah, I can't imagine anybody else doing this, but the people that are doing it. Right. I really did feel that way. So, and that I think, is a special experience in and of itself, you know, just to be like able to watch the thing and like really take it in as it was meant to be. And I really just felt like everybody smashed it. And that's like, that's like a special, huge power to like, I mean, that that's a huge psychological boost. If you can master that, because that's, this is the constant discussion on this podcast with every actor of every level, which is rejection, 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 and coming so close yeah. and the ones that get away. And like, to have the wherewithal and the philosophy of like, I, now Mike White knows me and he and he respects me and I respect him and we have that connection. And and you know what, if it's not gonna be this one, it could come back around and sure enough, it did. And to, to really yeah, I mean, internalize I, that, yeah. I definitely wasn't thinking it was gonna come back around. No? No, because I I didn't even know that they would, that it would, you know, go on to do a second um, sure. series, so. I wasn't really thinking about it in terms of that, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I think it's just, um, it's really useful to be able to think about it in those terms, because if you if you can't manage to do that, at least sometimes, then you're just sad a lot. You're going to wallow in it, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know if, what good that really does. So how does it come back around? Is it specifically that role is it Daphne like what's do you get a script aside does my contact you like what what was the mechanism different the second go around or what um it was pretty similar I mean I I made a self-tape and then um ultimately ended up having a zoom with Mike and um the casting director and Dave Bernad one of the other producers who produced the bold type so I knew him pretty well um and I think they probably wanted a lot of fancier people to do it (laughs) and they got stuck with me um but who cares I I think that even that being potentially true is like sort of um exciting to to even be sort of in a conversation with people that I've looked up to who have way better careers than I've had at this point. So um, I just thought the whole thing was really cool. And um, Mike made it really simple. You know, he's just, uh, he's just really easy going with that kind of stuff. He just doesn't make it harder than it has to be. And that is, is very unique. How, how was she described to you in the first place? How was Daphne described? And did you have an immediate beat on how are you going to approach her? 
Um, well, it's it was a little bit tricky because when I auditioned, I didn't have any of the scripts. I only had two scenes and I didn't really have context per se for like what was had happened and what was going to happen. Right. Um, of course, after I got the the role, they gave us all of the scripts and I sat and read all of them from front to back in one sitting. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Um, it was just <laughs> what, such a cool read. What were the holy shit moments? Were they the same as the ones we all experienced watching? Yeah, like, totally, totally, totally. I mean, there's the obvious, you know, Coolidge being the one who gets taken out, like just the last thing you think is going to happen. And I just remember even thinking like the fight between Ethan and Cameron was sort of unexpected and like very exciting. Um, I remember my first sort of thought was like, wow, this is a, a lot more sort of action forward I think than season one in a way that was I thought pretty exciting and what were you personally excited about digging into what was like what what were the, the days you circled the scenes you circled like okay this is this is what this is what is going to be fun this is what's going to make it well for while. starters finding the dead body was like very cool I was like <laughs> no way um and shooting that was also very cool and then you know probably some of the same stuff that um people also took note of which was like these great scenes that mike had written between aubrey and i yeah. um of course the scene with uh with will that we have at the end um those felt like really really exciting things even the first time i read it i was like wow that's really a cool moment so then you get to experience so the experience is sounds very unique of course you're in sicily it's it's in the middle of the pandemic you're in this kind of weird bubble this alien world but if you're going to be in an alien world you might as well be there it's amazing yes <laughs> and then you get to experience it again week to week and just i i would have just imagined feel that buzz that excitement that um very few shows experience um what was it like week to week just like reading the theories, seeing the obsessive stuff, seeing memes about you and your character, um, what touched you? Yeah, it was pretty surreal. Um, and I didn't do a lot of like surfing the web during that time. So I was so afraid of like reading something that was gonna hurt my feelings. <laughs> I also just think it's better to just not- Sure. Just unplug, but of course it's it's hard to sort of not have any sense of how people are, responding to it and stuff. And I do think it's like a really special thing. It is rare, like you said, to have a show that comes out on a weekly basis. That doesn't happen yeah. too often these days. And one that really like became such a cultural phenomenon, it felt like a very sort of almost like a communal exper experience, you know, like so, and I loved that the show created such a conversation and everybody was would be talking about it the next day and everybody had very different ideas about what they thought something meant or what was going to happen next and i think that that just speaks to how great mike is at presenting a, a scenario to an audience without telling them how to feel about it he just right. sort of gives you this thing and he lets you decide and i think um i think that is really really cool did you have, I had Haley Lou on the podcast recently uh, um, and she's just so unique and so cool. And she, yeah. uh, and she, she was saying kind of the same thing about kind of like being, and she dealt with this too. I think every, every actor did of like seeing the reception to the character and then being protective of the character. Like when people were giving Portia 
crap for her wardrobe. She's like, well, some of those were my ideas. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Are, it's do you feel, true. Do you feel the same way about, about Daphne now that you've read a bit about it? I mean, but look, everybody loved your performance. And I mean, 99.9% .9 is great. Um, but do you still find yourself kind of like defending her in a way, in a way, in her actions or what? Sometimes. I mean, I, I think like maybe if anybody would be like, she's psychotic, I'd be like, well, is she though? Right. Um, because I didn't, I didn't really feel that way about her. Um, I actually found her to be sort of this empathetic character who also like might actually be a little bit more emotionally intelligent than some of um her cohorts just in the sense that I think that you're really watching a woman who is like making very specific choices about how she reacts to the world around her right and um Mike was really specific at the beginning with me about Daphne genuinely not feeling like a victim at all right and once I knew that that was like really true for her, I felt like I had the key to, to her. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't get too precious about that kind of thing. I think that's sort of the fun part about making something because then you give it away. Right. And now it's, now it's, now it's the audience. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have any control over how people feel about it or, um, or any of those things. And I think that's kind of part of the magic of what we do. It is striking. I think you alluded to this. I mean, Mike is such a clever writer and like, and writing and presenting very complex characters that often aren't what they, we presuppose them to be, right? Like this happens, like, I think almost to a man for every character on White Lotus through these two seasons. Like, oh, I got, I got this pegged. I know who she, he or she is. And then we start to dig little yeah. by little and they're all complex real yeah. like feel like people you know people people that totally. we experience and that that yeah. does that come through in the writing of a, a the reading of a of a Mike White script I think absolutely yeah I mean I think it's a perfect marriage of stellar writing and then also incredible actors I mean there really yeah. wasn't a weak link in in this season everybody understood the assignment I think and and perfectly sort of executed what he had kind of um set up for everybody and um and i think that as an audience member that, that that's like a really satisfying experience right i will say i feel like the last few months in talking to other actors on this podcast you know i ask people you know what are you watching what are you obsessed with i'm not just saying this because you're here white lotus is the winner like every actor <laughs> and i think it partially it's it's loving the show and partial part of it is also and you know this better than anybody you kind of hit the jackpot. This is like the best job in, in town. You're working with an amazing ensemble of actors. You're on location. You're on a show that like has this kind of built-in obsessive, excited audience. Um, did you, were you very present? Like, did you take note at the time? Again, you've, you've been doing this for a bit, but like, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this experience. I'm going to do the work. I'm also going to be present and let it, let the magic of what this experience is going to be uh, in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't been doing it for a hundred years, but I've been doing it for long enough to recognize how rare um, a moment like this is. And so I really felt grateful for that perspective going into it because um, 
I do think that on some level, I really was able to be like, okay, I wake up every morning and I look out my window and I see the sea. And then I go downstairs and I say really, really amazing words. <laughs> and I look into the eyes of like incredible people. I definitely was able to take that in. Yeah. Have, have you experienced, look, I, you've been out and about, you get to do silly, fun things like the Vanity Fair, or Oscar party and run into people. I would imagine that now, whether they knew you before from Bold Type, but now they see you in this context. And I'm sure like you're, you're meeting new fans and colleagues and people you respect that have seen more of your work. Has there been a moment or two that's jumped out? Like, oh my God, you know what I did and you are saying nice things to my face. What is happening? <laughs> oh my God. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, I've been in a lot of rooms for the very first time um, this last year. And yeah, it was definitely really nice to be like, oh, if I go up and say something to this person, whether or not they've seen the show, like they probably will at least know that I'm not like some creepy person <laughs> who's like following them around this party. Um, but yeah, that has been a very unique, very cool experience to, to meet people that I really look up to and to have them say like, oh my God, I loved the, the second season of the show it was so great. Like I watched it with my partner or whatever. Um, that's been so cool. You're allowed to say somebody, you can drop a name. It's okay. You're in a safe space. <laughs> who blew your mind? Be honest. Who, who you're like, who, what was a moment? Honestly, Taylor Swift. That's a moment. <laughs> it was, it was the moment. Was that at that Vanity Fair? No, it wasn't. I actually didn't go to the Vanity Fair party this year. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Um, okay. I was on vacation. <laughs> good, for, good for you. Okay, so wait. So, yeah, a little I, mental I, health I, break. Good for you. You don't need to review all the secrets, but give me a little <laughs> a, a context of what the Taylor Swift interaction is. What happens? Well, I almost puked because I saw her and I've been in love with her since I was, you know, 16 or whatever. And she looked at me and she was like, oh my God, I'm such a fan. And I just died <laughs> it was very <laughs> surreal it was very very surreal are you cool in those circumstances can you can even if, if in the, on the inside you're dying can you pull it together i usually i mean i honestly i'm not there are very few people i think that i would be that rattled by being right. in the same room as um so usually i'm pretty usually i'm pretty cool <laughs> but on that night i was less cool right did he then say, you, you know, we should trade digits. We should hang out, Taylor <laughs> Swift. No, because I just couldn't. I mean, I was just trying to be a, like a, some semblance of a human. Yeah, you were just trying to get out of that I room. Do. Get out of that room alive. You were in survival. <laughs> <sighs> now you have a building block for the future. Now the the you have a basis and now you have history. So you're good. Yeah, totally. We're old pals. <laughs> All right. So let's circle back around. We, we you talked a little bit about um, uh, getting into this business and it seems like moving to New York was the big moment and next to normal was, of course, the huge moment. Um, when you think back to those early days, I mean, are you working a bunch of jobs? Are you looking for commercials, TV? Fil was it just like, give me anything at that time or, or what? Oh God. Well, I did, I did do like two commercial auditions, but I was so bad at them that I, they never asked me back. <laughs> um, so that was not really a part of my thing, but yeah, I, I had multiple jobs. I mean, I nannied, um, a bunch. I loved that. Um, I worked at the gray dog. I don't know if you are familiar. Quality, quality um, work. Yeah. 
which I also loved. I feel yeah. like being in your twenties in New York and just kind of like having all of those life experiences and then trying to, you know, do something with yourself at the same time is like very, it's uh I look back on that and I just feel like that was the coolest way to spend my twenties. Yeah. That I well, can think. And I'm sure you're finding like a peer group then too, that are also yeah. going through it in yeah. the theater. But to answer your question, of course, I would have taken literally any job. Yeah, of course. I was not uh, and not in a position to be right. picky. <laughs> she only had one end then. So this was before <laughs> yeah. she went. She, she got really complex. So next to normal, you also do a soap. No, no shame in that. One life to live. A lot, many oh of the greats. So much doing that. Uh, tell me about Hannah O'Connor. Did she have an evil twin? Were there fake deaths? Like, what, 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 what so, do I need to know? The, Hannah O'Connor really was a psycho. Um, <laughs> she didn't have an evil twin, unfortunately. Oh. But she did, like, there was an episode where I, like, kidnapped a baby while I was dressed as a cowgirl and then sure. tried to bury someone alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, lots of fun stuff. Um but to be honest, those shows are so quick paced because right. they're turning out so many episodes that you'd have to memorize like 20 pages of dialogue in oh, a yeah. day. Yeah. And I attribute my ability to quickly memorize um, dialogue to that. Yeah. Honestly, I really learned that's a very useful skill that I picked up while I was on One Life to Live. And if you're, yeah, everything probably seems easy after spending a day dressed as, what was it, dressed as a cowgirl um, kidnapping a child? Is that what was it? Yes, that's right. So I I got this, Mike White. Yeah, this ain't so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, the bold type is is a huge moment for you and a huge number of years and number of seasons. And you alluded to this already. I mean, I would imagine going through that and being, you know, at near the, you know, the top of the call sheet along with a couple uh, female co-stars, that's got to feel like you're in it together at least, right? It's not all on you, but it's a lot on you, but at least you're in this massive thing together. Is is that kind of what you were alluding to before, like how much of a learning experience it was in terms of, you know, even beyond the acting, just like holding a set together? Totally, totally. Um, all of those things, learning how to, you know, sort of, move through a day and and you know conserve energy and be kind and think about you know everyone else's experience that's coming maybe only for a day or an episode or whatever it may be I mean I I so vividly remember those days where you walk on to like someone else's set and it's really hard to feel comfortable because you're like I'm not staying yeah and I'm in and out and um, you don't really have time to acclimate. You just kind of have to like, it's like, you know, it can be really overwhelming. And so, um, but even beyond that, I think just the, it was a really collaborative set. Like we, they gave us a lot of freedom in terms of like, they really trusted us to, to um, tell the truest truth that we could for these, these 20 something girls. Cause we were that. So um, I think from a creative standpoint, I really sort of fell in love with like figuring out a scene or like figuring out right. how to fix something that didn't feel right um, in sort of like almost a producerial way. Yeah. Um, but being able to do that with um, Aisha D and, and Katie Stevens, who were my my sisters on that show, was a really, really unique experience and one that I will always um, 
hold close to my heart. And I, I would imagine that's, you know, we talk, I talk to a lot of actors, you know, people come and go in your lives based on different experiences. I would imagine those two young women, they're that, that, that WhatsApp group or that text chain is probably never going away based on no, what we're together. No, we're probably closer now than we were before because when we hang out now, we get to like choose it. And so there's something to that, you know? Right. But we remained close the whole time. And um, I'm seeing Katie next week. And I was just chatting with Asia before. She just released her EP today. Nice. Check it out on Spotify. Um, yeah, we're very close. You're working right now, if you can't tell, in between podcasts. She's on location working with some heavyweights. You can't tell by my spray tan. <laughs> <laughs> Very proud of her new look. Looking great. Mm. And it's all for a good cause. Um, so this is a limited series, I believe. This is... Yes, six episodes. Decent actors attached. Nicole Kidman, Dakota Fanning. How's it going? Talk to me about the, name, uh, the perfect couple. The perfect couple. Yes, Talk the perfect couple. It's great. I mean, um, Susanna Beer's directing it. She's powerhouse director, amazing an icon. Yep. She's so incredible. Um, and yeah, the cast is great. Eve Hewson and Jack Rayner yes. and Sam Navola and Liev Shriver. I mean, oh my it's, God. it's really, and everybody's very cool and you know, super down to earth. And it's just been, it's been really, it's been really great. Give Jack Rayner my best. I know him a bit. Uh, he's a great dude, as you know. He yeah, uh, he know he uh, he knows more about movies than I do, and that's really annoying to me because <laughs> this is my job. I should know the shit. He just needs to act. Oh, no, he doesn't he's need to know. For your job. I heard this him is, talking about it the other day. This is what I'm saying. Back <laughs> off, Rayner. <laughs> so are you no look i mean the proof's in the pudding look who you're working with but are do you feel like you're i mean the career was going well as we said but are, do you feel like you're leveling up you're like oh the, the, the are you noticing the material has changed in terms of the rooms you're in the material that's coming your way since white lotus yeah i mean i've i've it's definitely been a huge change to be honest um from before and that's been really exciting and at times really like nerve-wracking and yeah. um, you know it's been a little bit of everything but mostly it's just been great and I've got to you know I've had the chance to meet a lot of really wonderful creatives and stuff so it's just yeah it's very new for me to be having some of the conversations that I'm having but I'm it's it's I'm really excited about it well I mean look I, I can understand what you're saying because it's um yeah, you don't want to put pressure on yourself in what's a beautiful moment, right? Like you're, you just, you, you just had a great experience and great things will come. Great things are coming, but like to put pressure on yourself, like now I have to like make the absolute right decisions. It's like, there's no right way. There's no right or wrong way. You just trust your gut, associate with the right people. That's the best you can do, I suppose. Right. Almost to be too calculating is going to overthink it and make your life crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm, I've always sort of been, a, you know, driven by my, my instincts and my gut. And I've never really been the kind of person who's had a plan Yeah. as it applies to my career or whatever. Um, I don't have like a list of people right. that I have to work with and stuff like that. Like, because I think part of that comes from the fact that I never really imagined that this would be where I wound up I sort of yeah. 
got into acting by way of singing. And then everything that happened after that was sort of like this cool, unexpected surprise. And I think there's a part of me that still feels a little bit that way. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't put too much pressure on um, like what the next, I'm not a strategist really for better or worse. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if that's a good thing, but it's sort of how I am. I think it's the more sane route. What, what, what do you, do you watch a lot? Do you watch a lot of TV and film? Like what if, is anything jump out at you that you've gotten a chance to enjoy? Well, I'm, I'm catching up right before we started this um, on the other two. Oh, I, I'm woefully, I, I mean, I know this has been on the list forever. I, I'm missing out, aren't I? It's great. You're missing out. It's so great. I know. It's so, so good. Um, what else have I been watching? Honestly, I'm re-watching Friday Night Lights right now. <laughs> oh, you you got to do the rewatch every five years of Friday Night Lights. That's worthy. So, and it's been a minute, so it felt like it was time. And also, I, there's something really soothing to me about watching something that I, I know I like that has a million episodes um, because I'm sure you feel this way sometimes too, right? That it's a little bit overwhelming and this conversation around what are you watching and have you seen this and what did you think of that? And I'm like, uh, (laughs) no, a thousand percent. I have an insane list and it's like, I'm doing this because I I love it. it Why is this now horrible? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, work. Yeah. I I got you. And sometimes you just want comfort food and and Friday yeah. night, FNL is that. What, what, which character is yours? Which one do you identify, obsess over? Coach Taylor. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, he's the best. Big that couple, fan. that couple is one iconic couple. Iconic. Right. Yeah. As the as really. the kids say, hashtag goals. I think is what they would yeah. what they would say to us. Yes, <laughs> it's that. It's goals. <laughs> um, are you into any? What's your? You know, are, are you a genre fan? Any film? franchise are you like a are you a big nerd inside like me for anything marvel star wars What's anything your, is all that yours it. look at me look at all me i it? mean all of it i, I love it look all. at yeah. you look at you in your cool jacket uh, no this is just pretend <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna change into a nerdy t-shirt after this don't you worry what? that jacket's sick um <laughs> no i don't think so i i'm no. trying to think i mean is it musicals i mean going back to the music roots are you more of like a musical theater nerd or not even that no, I'm not even that. I'm really giving myself away. Megan, a poser. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I didn't grow up like listening to musicals and going to theater. I think the first show that I saw on Broadway was when I was 16 for my 16th birthday. My parents oh, wow. took me to see Chicago because I was obsessed with the movie. Sure. And that is actually when I fell in love with New York. I remember staying at the Marriott Marquis in Times Square and we were on like one of the really really crazy high floors and it was the day that we were leaving I think we had just gone for the weekend and I just remember looking out the window down onto Times Square and seeing all the people running around and I literally had like a like a melancholy like this like sadness because I knew I was leaving and I felt like I was missing out oh wow and I really feel like that's how you have to feel about New York in order to live there because it's so hard. Yes. Like you can't passively be in New York. You have to be passionate about waking up there every day. Otherwise you can't stay. It'll grind you down. Yeah, exactly. Wait, did I, did I, uh, this is a little random, but did I read or hear correctly? Is, were you a tryhard? Were you a twilight lover? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I basically, twilight basically, human. no, no, no. Twilight basically kept me employed for about five years of my life at MTV I always say, I think I've interviewed Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson more than any human being 
on the planet. Oh, uh, jealous. <laughs> um, so that you were in the thick of it, you were just, was it the books, the movies, everything? Yeah, I was literally on vacation with my family actually in Cape Cod one summer and we had gone to the store to get like be a beach chair or an umbrella or something at like a Walmart. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna grab a book to read on the beach. And it ended up being Twilight. I hadn't heard anything about it. The movie hadn't come out or anything yet. I just was like, cool, that sounds vampire-y. Um, and then, yeah, I was off to the races. I finished that book, I think the same day like something Amazing. insane and that was the last book i read no i'm kidding but sort of <laughs> once <laughs> the spring really hard time reading novels right now i get it we were just talking it takes a lot especially with all that tv waiting for us on our, yeah. on our uh, <laughs> um once the spray tan comes off you can play a vampire the spray tan's not gonna yeah, help i know man <laughs> um superheroes every young actor every actor period has to play a superhero it is league it is law now megan have well, you ever have you done the superhero audition how many times honestly i don't think so okay i don't think i have that's okay which It'll, which superhero should i be josh uh, iron man i don't know we've run out uh, we've done them all you can be iron man thanks. robert downey ain't got nothing on you that's so uh, sweet. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you could do a Sue Storm. This is the new hot one. This is the Fantastic Four. That that is the the one that people have been saying that I should do. So put it out there. It's not too late. Nothing's official there. yet. There are rumors, but late to the party. She's coming in late. Coming in hot. Megan Brady and late <laughs> with three ends. <laughs> three ends. Jodie Comer. She's coming for your role. Back off. Megan <laughs> <Fahey>. <laughs> All right, let's end with uh, our profoundly random questions for the one and only Megan Fahey. Uh, tell me, what's the wallpaper on your phone? Oh, it's a picture of me and my boyfriend. Oh, boy. What if you could host a podcast? What What are you an expert in? What would the podcast be about? Oh, Wow. Um, honestly, I would have said OC reruns, but they already have that. So <laughs> oh, they're doing a rewatch, aren't they? Someone, one of the actors, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's another one. Twilight and OC. You are a woman of distinguished taste. I love it. I hey, know. No, I, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I'm with you. It's okay. What, what's the worst note a director has ever given you? Do it again and do it better. <laughs> Because I wasn't trying the first time, <laughs> right? Yeah. Actually, that was a casting director, and it was for a slate that I was making. So I guess that's sort mm. of not the answer to your question, but it's no, still but, a good story. Yeah, it sticks with you, doesn't it? Is yeah. there, is there? look, you're, you're a woman, well-connected woman in the world. Is there a celebrity, be honest, that when it comes up on your phone that texts you, you're like, I can't believe I know this person. I can't believe they're popping up on my phone. I don't know. I mean, I we haven't texted. I feel like I would you would be the coolest celebrity Aww. that would pop up. Yeah. Okay. The, you gave me Iron Man. I had to give you that. Oh, gee, thank, thank you. You okay. it. <laughs> yes, we did it. We made the connection. <laughs> All right, let's end with this. Happy, sad, confused actor that always makes you happy. Um, Robin Williams. Someone else said that recently, and that is a, a good good answer. What's your favorite Robin Williams? What jumps out? I mean, I kind of feel like it has to be Mrs. Doubtfire for me. I know that's maybe like a less niche no, no. 
if you're the but, right age, if it hits you at the right age, that's the one. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. he just did everything in that movie. Yeah. You it know, was a, it he was, was a drive-by it fruiting. All. It was nah. a drive-by fruiting, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a movie that makes you sad, Megan. A movie that makes me sad. Um, hmm. The uh, stepmom. Oh, oof. Yeah. yeah. Not a good ending. No. No. Spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> what? What food makes you confused? Um, mushrooms. I hate mushrooms. I Megan. hate them. I hate so few things, and I hate mushrooms. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, you can do anything you want. You can even you deep fry it. I'm still not touching oh it. Oh my no, god! I don't no. want it. Mm -mm. You can yeah. chop it into dust, and I don't want it. No, it's the texture. It's the I feel yeah. Like chaga though, which is maybe a little confusing. Wait, I don't know what what is. That? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worldly. What is it? Chaga. It's like a. It's it's a mushroom. I think extract that you okay. can put into like a coffee, and it's supposed to be like good for your brain function and yeah. Clearly, and we need natural it. I need energy, it. Yeah. mood yeah. stabilizer, which everybody knows I need because of all the ends on the end of my name. <laughs> <laughs> but it's every good. every every three years they find another thing to put in coffee they're like yeah we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're putting butter, butter in coffee <laughs> what and now it's no. mushrooms yeah yeah who knows what's coming next i never did the the butter thing i in, skipped in by that too yeah i yeah. couldn't get behind it uh that's your podcast you're gonna do a podcast about weird things we put in coffee and it's it's niche admittedly it's a niche podcast but it's yours i like it i like that it's niche <laughs> <laughs> um, we've made progress today in our first session together, Megan, with two ends. Thank you for the time. Uh, Thank my you. It was so fun. So fun. My new texting buddy. You're going to get be so excited when you see Biggest me celeb. pop up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I might scream and throw my phone out the window or something dramatic. Yeah, no, you have problems. We'll uh, yes. <laughs> congratulations, I truly. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, truly, on the White Lotus. And <laughs> so um fun. And I can't wait to meet you in person one of these days. I'm sure it'll Yeah, happen. me too. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, Thanks for again. having me. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>